0: Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I am a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Uh, Last time that uh, Jeff asked me to preach, he and Daniel were doing a... uh... A series on the attributes or uh, of of Christ, who he who he was. He was a prophet. He was a priest. He was a king. He was a savior. And so they had me preach the week after, and I thought, okay, what would be a good follow up? Well, what has Christ done? And so I preached on the gospel. Uh, well, Jeff contacted me a couple of weeks back, and he asked me if I would preach today, and he said. Uh, This is Palm Sunday. It's Master's Sunday, but it's not really. It's Palm Sunday. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he said, I think it would be good to preach on the gospel. So if the last time that I preached you were here and you were able to stay awake and you remembered what we preached on, I'll probably cover some of that again. matter of fact, I may cover a whole lot of that again. Billy Graham basically had one sermon. He would change the sermon to, you know, from year to year and from city to city, and he would emphasize this and emphasize that. But if you took the bones, the skeleton of the Billy Graham sermon, you know what it was? It was the gospel. That's what God called him to do, to preach the gospel. Jeff asked me today if I'd preach the gospel. Even if that's what I preached last time, the answer is yes, I will preach the gospel. You won't believe this, but i got written down here, get George to say amen. (laughs) I knew he would. All right. Uh, By way of introduction, uh, uh, some of you people know us, a lot of people know us, and and some don't, but my wife, Kim, back there, who's got her master's green dress on. Uh, We lead a ministry at the University of Georgia. We've been there for about 20 years. Uh, called Life on Life Campus Ministries, and we focus on discipling students and teaching them to disciple younger students. Uh, and we strive to develop in them a passion, to a lifelong passion, to win the loss to Christ and then to train them to be laborers in the kingdom. Second uh, 2 Timothy 2, two says, The things that you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. This is Paul writing to Timothy. These entrust to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others also. Paul taught Timothy, Timothy faithful men, faithful men others. That's four generations in that verse. Receiving the gospel, growing in grace with God, and then helping others to know Christ in the same way. We have students, former students in the 1040 window. We have former students that, that are lawyers, doctors, teachers, uh, appliance repair experts, landscapers, teachers. We've got got former students in, in all, all areas of life. We've got one of them sitting right over here, Lauren Kane, who's on our praise team here. Uh, and my understanding is she's been pretty influential in a lot of your ladies' lives, particularly in helping you make scripture memory a, a part of your relationship with God. Our mission statement is to know Christ and making known to successive generations. We teach them to do ministry and then send him out into the world. But the foundational component of any ministry is the gospel. Everything in this Bible right here, I go slide. Everything in this life has its foundation in the gospel. God loved you so much. He created you to live with him, to be his child and be his presence. But we've all sinned to separate ourselves from God. Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And by faith, we can be restored to eternal life with God. My worker bees handed out a, let's give them a hand. Thank you guys for, <laughs> handed out a, a little handout. Uh, and we're going we're to go over that in just a few minutes. Uh, but let me encourage you, it's already printed out there, but I'm going to draw it up here. And let me encourage you to turn it over on the back and, and draw, as we go through this, we're going to use an illustration called the bridge illustration, and, and draw that out for yourself. And I should tell you, I'm, I'm really more of a teacher than a preacher, and I like to move. I, I, it's hard for me to stand still, you see. Me? I think Topher had, had the same situation when he was preaching. I, I like to be moving, okay? And I like to ask questions, and, and if I ask a question, feel free to answer. I know we're in a church service, and you, everybody's kind of quiet. And, um, I used to do this in a, uh, when I did some small group stuff, and we'd make everybody say something. You know, just anything. And that opened them up, and they felt free to, to speak. And if you have questions, feel free to speak. I'll, I'll adjust, okay? Uh, Jeff only gave me two hours to speak today, so. <laughs> Last time, he gave me 25 minutes, and I think it was, I went home, I thought, oh, that's pretty good. And I looked up on the Facebook, and it was like 43 minutes. I was like, oh, man, almost, almost doubled my time. But I told him I'd get through in time this today. Um, but let me ask you a question. If someone were to ask you if you could share your faith in a clear and concise manner, how many of you don't, put, don't have to put your hand up, but how many of you feel like, yeah, I can do that? Okay? And, and I know there's some of you here, maybe many of you here, who feel like you can can really share the gospel, and that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's also, there's also some of you here who would have to say, I... Uh, you know, I really can't share the gospel in a clear and concise way. My goal today is to make sure that when you leave here, that you have a tool uh, that with a little practice at home, everybody repeat that, with a little practice at home. <laughs> that means you've got to go home and do this, okay? Okay that you can put in your tool belt to help you be able to share the love of Christ with those people that you love. Before I get to the illustration, let me answer a a question or two that I think are possible. Uh, What is the gospel? Uh, The Greek word is yoangelion. And I'm glad that Daniel's not here because he'd probably say that's not how it's pronounced, but that's how I pronounce it. But it literally means good news. It's the good news. Paul said, and somebody, I think we read this earlier Romans 1 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay. If you're not a Jew, You're a Greek. It's basically what he's saying. To the Jew and to anybody else who is not a Jew. The power of God, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everybody. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses. Go ahead and turn there. Ephesians 2. The Bible's Everybody just about there. I got it on page four seventy-nine, so <laughs> You got it. Okay, I wasn't sure everybody got that one. But it says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then in verse three, he said at the end of verse three, Paul writes, And you were children of wrath we were dead in our trespasses and sins and children of wrath destined, destined to face the wrath of God and then the greatest word in the bible verse 4 chapter verse verse 4 first word but you were dead in your trespasses and sins you were destined to be children of wrath but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God created you to be his children. He created you to live in his presence forever. But sin has separated you from God. And through Jesus Christ, God paid the penalty for our sin, and by faith, we can be restored to eternal life. One prayer that I have for you today is that you will walk away with a clear and concise method to share your faith. But I also have another prayer that I've been praying this week for you guys as well. And I'm not so naive as to think that in a group this size, that there are not some people who maybe have never received Jesus as the Lord. You may have gone to church all your life. You may have gone to Christian school. You may send your kids to Christian school. You may teach at a Christian school. You may be an elder or a deacon. You may have sung in a choir. But you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you're just a a, a sinner. We're all sinners. But you think, you know... Monday through Saturday, I live one way, but if I go to church on Sunday, you know, I do these bad things Monday through. But if I go to church on Sunday, it'll balance out and God will like me. Whatever the case, if you've never received Jesus as Lord, my goal for you is that he moves in your heart today. Let today be the day of your salvation. Years ago, when we did discipleship training with churches, I had a a saying that I used, and I kind of forgotten all about it, and it just came to me a couple weeks ago. The main thing is to make the main thing what? The main thing. You guys are smart, I tell you. A lot smarter than you look, I can tell you that. Uh, The main thing is to make the main thing the main thing. And when it comes down to anything on this earth, the main thing is the gospel. Everything in this Bible, everything in life, every raindrop that falls, every tear that falls, every wave that crashes the ocean, every tree that grows, every golf tournament that's played, everything on this earth has its foundation in God's love for us. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes. How many have read the book of Ecclesiastes? Okay. If you never have, I, I highly recommend it. It's 12 chapters, take you 20 minutes maybe to get through it. And, and a, a quick synopsis of, of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who's probably the wisest man ever to live, the probably most successful, maybe the wealthiest man ever to live, as he reaches the end of his life, he starts looking back at all the things that he's done and accomplished, which were his vast accomplishments. And he starts evaluating. And he calls everything on the earth, he calls it everything under the sun. And he begins the book with, with this, this phrase. He's like, vanity, vanity. Everything under the sun is vanity. Then he spends the, the, the rest of the book talking about the events that happen on earth. And he gets to the end of Ecclesiastes, and he says this, after examining everything that happens under the sun, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. All this master's tournament and all this Retirement fund and all this, looking for the jobs and and all the things that we worry about. The conclusion: it's the only thing that matters is fear God and keep His commandments. So we say, okay, what is what are God's commandments? First John 1, 13 so "This is commandment: to believe in the name of the Son of God, and to love one another." Everything that we do in this life should be about knowing Christ as our Lord and reflecting Christ by loving others because Christ was love. God created us to be his children. Ephesians 1 says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters. In Christ, God has given us the Holy Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? God has given us love. God in Christ has given us joy. He's given us peace, peace with God, peace with the world, peace with others, love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And predestined us to be his sons and daughters. Now we're going to work on what I call the bridge illustration. Uh, got your pens out and the paper. And if you don't have a pen, nudge your wife and tell her to give you one. This is a tool that will help explain in, in a real simple matter manner, manner the gospel. And it's based on four things. One... God's purpose so you can write that down and over on the side number two man's problem up here in the middle and up just a little bit number three is God's remedy number four on the side is man's response All right, everybody with me. What's the number one? Purpose, man's God's remedy, man's response. All right, you got that. That's easy. God's purpose, man's problem. God's remedy, man's response. God's purpose. Do you ever think about Why did God create us? Why are we here? Why is there baseball? Why is there grocery stores? Why, Why are there trees that grow? Why? Why? God created us for, there's, there's three things under here. One, abundant life. John 10, 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came so that you might have life and have it to the full. Some versions, some translations say abundantly. God created you to have abundant life. You know, he created you to have love in your life. He created you to have joy in your life, to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness. As he said, he blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He created us to have all these spiritual blessings in our life, abundant life. John 3.16, you all probably know that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I tried to memorize that New American Standard and it was like hopeless. (laughs) So I just went back and just forget it, just do it in the King James Version. God created you to have this abundant, amazing life. But not just here, but for all eternity. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They were at peace with God. And that's why he created you, to be his children. Psalm 1611. In his presence. There he is, C-N-C-E. Psalm 1611 says, You will make known to me the path of life. He created us for abundant and eternal life. He says, You'll make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forever. This abundant life that we seek, that we so our soul longs for, is found in the presence of God. And Adam and Eve were created, and they walked in the garden with God. How many of you all have seen in a a world where there is not love, but there's hate? How many have seen a world where there's not joy, but anger and peace and instead of peace, strife? We live in that world, don't we? What happened if God created us? Can you all see that? If God created us to have this abundant and eternal life and has found his presence, what happened? Why why are we not experiencing that to, to the full? That brings us to this over here, number two, man's problem. Man's problem is this. God created us for this eternal life, to be His children. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, and you know what we did? We sinned. We sinned. Romans 3.23 For all, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We existed in the glory of God, in his presence, fullness of joy, pleasure forever. And we chose to sin. All means Billy Graham, it means the Pope, it means your mom, your dad, your kids, your friends. For all have sinned and fall short. And we were separated from God. And there's a chasm between man and God. And that sin causes this chasm between man and God. Our problem gets a little bit worse. First is that we've all sinned. The next it... Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Death described in in Scripture as being separated from God. Eternal life is being in God's presence. Death is being separated from God. We've all sinned and the wage of our sin is death. gets a little bit worse than that Hebrews 9:27 It's appointed for men to die once and then comes judgment we're all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 9, 27. We're all going to die and face judgment. I was driving on the way over here and the speed limit was 35 and I was going 40. You know what? That's, I broke the law. Probably wouldn't get pulled over. Or, you know, nobody really saw me do that, but I broke the law. But with God... When we sin, God sees, and we've all sinned. We all fall short of glory, God. And One day we'll stand before the judgment seat, and you're guilty. You're. <laughs> I got i I'll tell the story real quick. We went to a conference in Chicago, church growth conference, and you know you've been, you ever been to a conference, and you get to the end of the week, and it's like it's time to go home. You know, it was time. And so we're coming back from Chicago and we're going through Indiana and I'm driving and everybody's asleep, it's about 11 o'clock at night. And there was a sign, I'm going like 90 miles an hour and I'm only going 90 because the car in front of me, there's a Camaro behind me and and me and that car in front of me wouldn't get out of my way or i would be going faster, right? And there was a sign the size of maybe twice the size of this building and I'm not, not really exaggerating, it was huge. Lit up, I mean it had yellow lights all over it and just like it was like broad daylight. You could see clear as a bell a crystal, you know, it was just like lit up. And it said speed detected by detection devices. Well, I'm trying to get this guy out of my way, and there's another one about a mile down the road. About that time I looked in my rearview mirror and that Camaro's got blue lights in this grill butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So everybody wakes up, yeah. I have to pull over, and everybody wakes up. What's going on? So I got pulled over for speeding. Well, here let let me hear. Everybody's putting in 20 bucks, and I'm like, no. I'm guilty. You know, there's two signs the size of Chicago, and I was still speeding. I'm guilty. I have no plea. I have no case. It's like this with God, there is no case. We're guilty. Now, a lot of you think, well, you know, there's this chasm between me and God, but if, if I go to church and if I tithe and and if you know if I if I help old ladies cross the street, <laughs> work for the Red Cross or volunteer to homeless shelter. Ephesians two eight and nine says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. I think of it this way. Say so you had this really nice crystal vase where I was reading a story recently about Alabama had won the national title like in 2014, 15, and 16, and 17. But... <laughs> But they had the uh, that nasty, it's a football, it's a crystal football, it's the trophy, and they had it on the practice field, and one of the one of the uh, players' dad accidentally bumped into it, whoosh, shattered it. Now you could conceivably, improbable, but in you know with all the odds, there is a chance that if you could find every piece of that crystal, and you could figure out you know like a, like a puzzle, and you. It's a, possibility maybe that you could put that thing back together. But let's say you did. But it'd never be perfect again, would it? There would always be those scars. You would always look at it and know that 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 vase vase that you had or that crystal football, that that it was broken. I can do all these good works that I want to do. I, I can... I can go to church. I can do all these. I can read my Bible. and do. Imagine that from here to here, it's like 50,000 times around the world. You don't even get close to becoming perfect again. When Isaiah, Isaiah walked in here, we probably all would bow down to him. He's a holy man, you know? And when he saw God, he said, basically, if you look at the root of the words that, that he says, he says basically that he's being ripped apart at the seams because of unclean lips. God created us to be in his presence, to be his children, to have abundant life, eternal life. And we messed that up big time. And we've all sinned. The penalty of sin is death. We're going to die, face judgment. And we cannot work our way to God. We've got a problem. I remember the first time that I realized that God didn't wake up one day and go, oh my goodness, what happened to Adam and Eve? They've sinned. What will I do now? From the very beginning, God had a plan. Because he loved you so much, before he created you, God had a plan. God have a remedy Christ paid our penalty and that's Romans 5:8 1 Peter 3:18 but God demonstrates. To demonstrate means to show. God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you were good. Not when you were doing. The, one of my favorite sayings I, I, I saw uh, many years ago. The guy wrote, I've, I've come to understand that I am justly condemned for my most fervent prayer. Even in my most righteous moments, I'm a sinner separated from God. And when I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. 1 Peter said, for Christ died for sins once for all. One time for all the sins. All the way back to Adam and Eve. And all the way into the future until Christ returns. Christ died for sins once for all. The just, the perfect For the, is it unjust or unjust? Injust? (laughs) Unjust. Okay, Our, our scholar over here says unjust. All right. The just for the unjust in order to bring us to God. Because God wants us over here living with him and we've separated because of sin. And he paid this penalty so he could bring us back into relationship with him. But that leaves us with one thing, and that's man's response. All right? You don't have to raise your hand up. Did you ever play the lottery? Okay. All right? I played it one time. All right? It was $850 million. And I went to the convenience store to get something and I'm getting ready to pay and they got, you know, they got the tickets right there and the cashier and the sign said $850 million and they were going to draw it that night. And I thought, I'll put a buck in on that, right? And, uh, obviously I didn't win, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was worth a dollar, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. But let's say, say that you played it and you won that $850 million and you had the ticket Man, that's $850 million. You go in the bedroom, you lay it on the dresser, and you leave it there. That's $850 million sitting right there. And it's not doing you a bit of good. Unless you actually take that down to the lottery office, cash that in, get that money transferred from the lottery's account to your account, it's only worth the, what's the saying the paper that it's printed on. It's of no value to you. Christ has paid the penalty once for all, for everybody, the just, for the unjust, in order to bring us to God. We all have had our penalty paid. But we must receive Jesus as Lord. Romans 10. 9 and 10. John 1 12. John 1 12. But as many as received him, that means to take hold of, as many as have taken hold of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Taking hold of Jesus, and you have the right to become children of God, brought back into his presence. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, the Greek word is kurios. And what it literally means is the owner slash the one who has the right to make the decisions. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. God created us for abundant and eternal life. And that's found in his presence. We've messed up. We've all sinned. The penalty of sin is death. We're going to die, face judgment. We can never become perfect again. But Christ paid the penalty. And if we receive Jesus as Lord, we can have eternal life. I'm going to ask you guys in a few minutes to make a commitment to, to practice this illustration. And I understand full well that you're not going to be able to get up here and quote all the verses and, and know everything and be able to present everything. Oh, I know all this. But I can do this in 30 seconds. Let I me mean, believe you. God has a purpose. He created us for a purpose. And that purpose is that we would have abundant and eternal life. And that abundant and eternal life is found in the presence of God. And he created us for that, but we've all sinned. We have a problem, and the penalty of sin is death. We're going to die and face judgment, and we cannot work our way to God. But Christ paid the penalty. God had a remedy for us, and Christ paid the penalty. And our response is to receive Jesus as Lord. Plus or minus 10 seconds, right? You can do that. I'm going to challenge you to that in just just a couple minutes. Where do you stand? Is Jesus your Lord? If he's not, come come speak. We may speak with Jeff or speak with George or one of the elders or deacons in the church or someone who who you know walks with the Lord. If you've trusted Christ, and, and literally, come speak to us. It's not figurative. Come speak to us. If you've trusted Christ, but you really don't know how to share your faith. Study this illustration. Okay. Uh, Work on it. Learn how to share it. When you go home, sit around the table with the kids. Teach the kids. Let the kids teach you. You were given a tool this morning, and I believe it's God's desire for you to become confident at using that tool. Turn in your Bibles, and we'll close here in just a couple minutes, to 2 Corinthians 5. It would be real easy to, to take this message and go home and say, Oh, that was cool, or that was stupid, or whatever you, you thought it was, and just walk out the door. But I'm going to challenge you to, to really think about this. Why is this important for me to know this? Why is this important for me to share this? Second Corinthians five fourteen, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all so that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who rose again on their behalf. The love of Christ controls us, and it literally means to hold together. determines who we are, what we do. The love of Christ controls us. Out of love, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. And his love should control the way we live our lives. No longer living for ourselves. Look down at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ is a new creation, a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. When we receive Jesus as our Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and we're no longer, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, Galatians says. We're new creations. We're no longer controlled by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Now, look at verse 18. This is why you need to know this verse, this this illustration, or some illustration, some way to present the gospel to people and be involved in presenting the gospel to people. Now, these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? We have this new life. We're new creatures. Where did that come from? Somebody answer. From where? God. We have this new life from God. And then it says two things happen. What did he do first? What did God do first? He reconciled us to himself. The word means to exchange. Okay? Be like paying paying bail get somebody out out of jail. You exchange. God exchanged Jesus for you. He reconciled us to himself by giving Jesus. But then there's another thing that he says we were reconciled and then what else? What's the last thing he says? He gave us that same ministry to exchange our lives for others got my hair cut a couple weeks ago just sitting in the chair and asking the, the hairdresser what's your spiritual background talked about mine and talked about hers Okay, she's not a believer but I share with her faith in how to become a believer. Jeff doesn't know your hairdresser. He doesn't know your neighbor, your your person that works next to you. George doesn't know. Greg, they don't know them. Who knows them? You know them. You know these people. And God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors of God. Each one of you that has received Jesus as your Lord has been called as an ambassador for God. It's your job to represent Christ to those people in your sphere of influence. I'll tell you two quick stories and then we'll, I'll let you go. When we first learned, Kim and I first learned how to present this illustration, we were in a, uh, it was like a Sunday school, a Bible study, and it was on Sunday morning. And we learned it, and then we were challenged to share it that week with somebody that we, you know, somebody that wasn't in our class. Our friend Jeff, we've been praying for his boss forever. And he goes into him and says, Boss, I got this assignment in this Bible study, and I got to share this thing with somebody that's not in the Bible study. Can I share this with you? He said, sure. And he shares the bridge illustration with him. Now, I don't know if that guy ever became a believer, but he was against Christianity. And when we moved, Jeff had been working in his life in such a way that this guy was not only going to church with Jeff, but he would call Jeff and say, Jeff, what time are we going? He was the one initiating going to church. So i got to believe that God has worked in that guy's heart and he's become a believer. I got that same assignment and uh, had a landscaping business and, and had one employee, Doug Doug and myself, and we went out and we cut, mostly cut grass. And so this is Sunday. I get that assignment to share it next week, in the coming week. And um, I get a call from Doug Sunday evening. He said, hey, my buddy Peppy needs some work. You got, you got work for him. I said, oh, yeah, we can use him. We got a lot of stuff to do this week. And so he, I said, bring him along. So we get to the first house and we're supposed to mow it, mow trim, edge, and below. And the lady comes out and she's got this, this island that's kind of an L-shaped, right? And so she asked me, said, can you pick the weeds out? And I said, sure. I said, we'll spray it with Roundup. And said, no, no, I don't want any chemicals. I want you to pick them. I said, okay, it's going to cost you. She said, that's all right. And so we figured out a price and it's okay, we'll, we'll do it. But not sure how long this is going to take. So I told Doug, I said, "Hey, why don't you do this? You start mowing, and Peppy and I'll start picking weeds. And if we get through, then we'll pick up the weed eater and the edger and the blower, and then we'll get that stuff. And and if you get the yard mowed, and we're still working over here, then you can get the edger and then the weed eater. And so we'll, we'll just kind of work it out and see how it goes. Right? You with me? This is God working. So Peppy and I, seven thirty Monday morning, we're at this landscape bed and we're bent down and. I'm, I'm here and he's right there. And we're not, I mean, we're not on our knees there for more than a minute. And he goes, Mark, you go to church, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, how can you know if you can go to heaven? <laughs> I said, well, Peppy, let me show you something. And I drew the bridge illustration with my finger in dirt, okay? And Pepe is, to my understanding, has become a believer of Christ, okay? You can do this. Number one is what? And there are three things under God's purpose. What are they? Abundant life, eternal life, and life as if found in His presence. What's number two? And what is that? Four things. And you can't work your way to God. What's number three? Number four? You guys got it. You can say that. You don't have to have all the verses. You can sit down and tell somebody without the verses, we're all sinners. And and to God we're all gonna face judgment. And we can't be good enough to be perfect. And God did something about you can say this. Now I would encourage you, learn the verses. Take take one a week, you know. Learn the verses, practice it, make it your own. If I brought uh, some other people that I know that, that use this, they would they would do it a little bit differently. They would add their stories. They would add their touch to it, but make it your own. But practice it and do it. If you don't practice it, Greg, you could tell the kids that practice their stuff. Their, their music lesson and the ones that didn't, didn't couldn't you? you know? we, tell, we teach kids to memorize scripture. And one of the things that you can always tell is when they come in, you can tell whether they've been working on the scripture all week or when they started working on it when they got on the bus to come over to meet with you. Okay? You can tell. And, and I'm guilty of working it on the bus. Goodness, so we're all guilty of that. Kids, every, all the kids, raise your hands. Let's see, all the kids. All right, kids, you got your hand raised. You tell your mom and dad this week that they need to teach you how to do this, okay? Now, somebody might come up and smack me. for Made my kid do that. Let me pray for us. Lord, we pray that in the depths of our hearts, that God, you would put your gospel and that we would understand My favorite song Chris sang earlier when I surveyed the wondrous cross, Lord. When we look at that cross, help us to understand what wretches we are, but how loved we are. And that you paid the penalty for our sin. And that you desire us to be in your presence. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't just walk away from here and go, oh, that was good. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's go eat lunch. But in our hearts, we would say, Lord, Lord, teach me to live that out in my life. God, put your hand upon uh, this church and the leaders in this church and the members of this church, Lord, that we would, um, we would be known as people who love Jesus and, and share that love.